take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. Will I or will I not still be engaged? That's the question. (laughs) If I'm not, you'll know I've done my love language test and it went badly. You're listening to How to Take the Lead with Lee Griffith and Carrie Ann Wade. Two corporate colleagues turned business besties who question everything we've ever learned about leadership. What started with us putting the world to rights over a gin after work is now a weekly show challenging the myths and perceptions and exploring what leadership looks like in the modern day. We'll also be sharing our experiences and stories along the way. You can find our show notes at howtotakethelead.com. Hit subscribe to receive new episodes every Thursday. Plus, we'd love for you to rate or leave a review of the show. And please share your thoughts and stories on the topics we cover using the hashtag how to take the lead. Welcome to this episode of How to Take the Lead. First of all, I'm quite excited because I can't believe how many episodes we're into this series already. I'm not sure where the time has gone. I'm excited and also slightly sad because I feel like we're coming to, to the other end of the series almost now. We've passed the halfway mark, Lee. Wow, it's gone quite quickly. And in this episode, we are going to talk about motivation. Before we get into the nitty gritty of it, Lee, how motivated are you feeling today? Today, right now. Well, I'd say I started this morning at four out of ten motivation and just wanted a big cup of tea and watch a bit of location, location. And that was all I was worthy of this morning. Now I'd say having ticked off quite a few of my to-do lists, I'm at a solid eight out of ten motivation. Solid eight out of ten. I feel like that's quite a good score on the motivation front. Thank you for indulging me and sharing, Lee. And I'm glad your motivation has increased throughout the day as we've headed towards recording this podcast and that you're not still on a four because that would have been really hard work for me to get your motivation levels up for a good podcast episode. The reason that we are going to have a discussion about motivation is really because obviously this whole podcast is about being a leader and leadership. And More often than not, one of the roles that you play as a leader is to be the person who motivates everybody else. So Mm. chief motivator, somebody who's there to inspire and motivate others, to take them on a journey, to motivate them to deliver certain things as part of your strategy. So you have a big role, I think, as a leader to be that motivation for other people. But what I was really interested in spending a little bit of time exploring is about where do leaders get their motivation from? So if you're the leader and you're there to motivate everybody else, how do you get your motivation as a leader? So I'm going to put you on the spot again, Lee, and ask you for your thoughts. Wow. How do you get your motivation? Well, I think, not to cop out on this, but I almost think it's not really, it's not limited to when you're a leader only, like I've got my leader hat on, how am I motivated? I do think it is closely aligned to understanding what motivates you in life in general is probably a pretty good best starting point. It also made me think about, have you ever done your love language test? Uh, no, it sounds like something out of Cosmo magazine from <laughs> being a teenager. The love language test. 
talk to me about this, Lee. I haven't done it. Oh, I thought we were getting the big reveal then about what your no. love language is. But it seems to be something that, like, I've heard loads of people talking about in the last six to 12 months. Everyone's talking about, oh, that's my love language or so-and-so's done this and they're talking my love language and whatnot. And so it's a test apparently that works out what five love languages you and your partner speak. I'm already feeling clammy about the fact that there'll probably be completely different ones and I'll find out that it's all going to go wrong. I don't want to do this (laughs) test. But it got me thinking it is linked to motivation. So the five tests are something like, is your love language words and affirmation based? Is it by someone doing something for you? Is it receiving a gift? Is it that feeling of a physical touch? So I suppose in a leadership point of view, is it a handshake, high five, a hug? Or is it being able to spend quality time doing something that matters? So I thought that when we talk about what motivates you and how do you find your motivation, I don't know why my mind immediately went there, but it was that thing of if you know what your love language is, maybe you've already done a bit of work to figure out (laughs) your motivation. I love that. We'll explore a little bit more about like where leaders get their motivation from, but that does helpfully lead us on to the kind of how, doesn't it? How do you work out what motivates you? But yeah, I, I guess it's about understanding more about yourself, isn't it, as a person and how that translates then to you as a leader. Because like you say, it's not just about your leadership in terms of thinking about motivation. And there are lots of different motivations, aren't there, for people? Some people mm-hmm. are very much financially rewarded or they feel very motivated by status and power, which, as I'm saying, all of these words make me personally feel very icky because Mm. they are not the things that motivate Mm. me at all but as you say other people more motivated about you know the the quality at which they maybe can deliver something or the relationships that they build and the people that they spend time with I think there is something about having to work out where your motivations come from as an individual Mm. and then how you can apply them in your leadership role and your leadership thinking so you've touched on it a little bit Lee about how do you work it out you've talked about doing your love language tests so maybe it's more about your leadership language test maybe that's something we need to work on Lee I think there's something already out there, which is that Maslow hierarchy of needs, which is probably a little less Cosmo. A little less tabloid. (laughs) That is absolutely the model around a person's motivation increases as their needs are met. So I don't know all the hierarchy, but I know it's around basic needs you need to have to live psychological needs. So I suppose you'd say accomplishment, security, belonging to maybe that self-fulfillment when you realise that you're having great experience or you're growing as a leader. Yeah, definitely. And there, there was something for me when I was thinking about this, like the how do you work out what motivates you? There was lots in there for me around what brings me joy in my leadership mm-hmm. role, when and where and what are the times in my leadership life where I feel like I'm having a real impact? Where are those points where I feel like I've done a really good job because and I guess it's really funny because when I reflect on that I can probably remember more of those times when I wasn't in a leadership position where I could identify where I felt like I'd done a really good job versus the times as a leader where Mm -hmm. I've probably felt that and I don't know if some of that is about what you were saying around that feedback loop like where are you getting that feedback from are you motivated by people validating what you've done giving you feedback telling you that you've done a good job so Mm. I think it is really important to start to think as a leader 
about what actually does motivate you and how you can define that for yourself so that you can factor that into the way that you work. Yeah, but I think it links back to your bigger vision and purpose. And we all have them as individuals and we've spoken about them in past episodes. I think once you understand that why and the big picture of what you're trying to achieve, it can make it easier as a leader to break that down and go, right, well, if this is a step towards me achieving that, that might be my motivation, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess as we've been talking, there's been something for me as well around, you talked about like getting your needs met and how you work through that hierarchy of need in terms Mm. of fulfillment and motivation. And I think sometimes as a leader, it can be I don't want to say easy, but I think you can sometimes feel guilty about wanting to have your personal needs met as a leader as well. Because again, I think that ties back to like, it's your job to help everyone else get what they need from you as a leader. But actually, sometimes you can neglect what you might need. And I think then when you start to think about it, there'll be certain people in leadership roles who maybe feel a bit guilty for thinking actually, I'm not getting what I need at the moment to motivate me and energize me. And I need to think about doing something differently to do that. And I think sometimes it can come with that kind of that guilt or that sense of, well, I'm the leader, so I don't deserve to take that time away from other people to focus on what I need. I have seen the other flip side of that, where there are leaders that think nothing of but themselves and don't think about where they're ego-led leaders and they absolutely are always striving in the pursuit of their ego being boosted and that's what motivates them to the pursuit that they're not thinking about the motivation of their team. So I do think as a leader you've got to get that balance right. So a helpful tip there I think about how you're working out what motivates you, you also need to be thinking about the impact you're having on other people and how that comes across when you're thinking about that. So balance, I think, was a helpful word to mention there. I also think that there is something about what motivates you might not be what motivates other people in your team. And I know that I'm less bothered by words, for example. I love a gift, love spending time doing things with other people and doing things that I like. And I'm a completer finisher, so I absolutely love the tick of a box and that satisfaction of a job being done. But recognising when I was a leader that my team perhaps do want the words, don't want the gifts, don't like finishing stuff. So that, <laughs> that's part of the balance as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have probably mentioned this before around, you know, some people respond really well to being thanked, whereas other people don't want that because they're like I'm just doing my job so like yeah. don't keep thanking me for Give it me more money yeah yeah I want money <laughs> I, yeah I want an extra day off you know whatever it is or some people want change different projects to be yeah. part of so there is something as well I guess about working out what motivates other people as well as what motivates you and not being so stuck in your own motivations that you neglect the needs of other people so I mm. think that's that's a really important point that you raise there Lee and we have mentioned with that point that some people are motivated by validation and by gratitude and I guess often as a leader you don't expect to be thanked as Mm. it were for the job that you're doing I think that can be a natural bit of the territory as a leader that you Mm. shouldn't expect to be thanked or being told that you're doing a good job so I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts about if that is part of what motivates you as an individual and you are in a leadership role how do you manage that motivation for yourself and how do you 
deal with the fact that you might not always get the thanks and the praise that might normally motivate you. Yeah, it's a hard one to reflect on in some ways because that doesn't motivate me. So I can only assume what it might feel like if you don't get that. What I found interesting was I read somewhere, it might have been when I was doing some studies a couple of years ago, that 75% of people are motivated by what they don't want rather than what they do want. So I would say maybe the, the thing for someone who's perhaps getting that type of feedback is to flip it the other way and think, well, at least I'm not getting negative feedback and not been told that I've done a rubbish job or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think you were talking before as well about how you can consider the needs of your wider team and how mm. that links into your motivation and their motivation. And I think there's something for me around that sort of gratitude, thanks piece that, like you say, not quite flipping it to what you don't want, but maybe just reframing that to be about successes and actually creating a culture within your team and organization where you do celebrate successes and yeah. you do talk about the things that have gone really well. And I think in some respects that can give you some of that validation and some of that that thanks that you might be looking for, but through a slightly different lens, through the lens of the, you know, the wider team and the organization. So creating that culture where the culture isn't learning from the things that have gone wrong, but actually sharing the great stuff that's going really well, I think can can be a powerful tool to help motivate you if you are somebody who probably is more motivated by validation and, and sort of thanks and gratitude. Mm. I think you could also get that maybe if you're doing that reflection piece, just the process of what have I achieved in the last 90 days? What have I achieved this month? What have I achieved this week? And they might be, if you seek the evidence to back up the question that you're asking, you might find that there are opportunities you've missed where that reward has come to you and you haven't quite picked it up. It might be the thanks that the team received for job well done and then you reminding yourself, well, I lead that team and the team are in the shape that they're in because of how we're all working towards this vision. If you remind yourself of the bigger picture... And you've broken that down into the small steps. Each small step, you could remind yourself, we're one step closer to that. And that sounds really cheesy. We're one <laughs> step closer to the big vision. But actually, if you can evidence things in different ways, it absolutely will show the progress that you're making. established or aspiring CEO looking to maximise your impact in the workplace. At Sunday Skies, I help you get clear on your big vision, create a strategy that connects and the communication plan to deliver it. No matter where you are in your CEO journey through my unique blend of coaching and WU consulting, I will give you the strategy, support and space to succeed in post. Visit sundayskies.com to find out more and sign up for my email to receive intelligence and information that will challenge and change the way you lead. If you're enjoying this episode of How to Take the Lead, please hit subscribe and why not leave a review or rating. We'd also love to hear your stories and thoughts on today's topic. Please DM us, our links are in the show notes, or tag us into your socials using the hashtag How to Take the Lead. I guess for me, there's something as well about leaders who have maybe been in their leadership position for some time. So maybe you've been in your role for, for a long time. You've been in the same organization for a while. 
I think sometimes that can make it more challenging to motivate yourself because you've kind of been, I don't want to say stuck because there are leaders who've been in positions for a really long time and are always highly motivated. But I think sometimes it can impact your motivation and, and energy levels when you have been in the same place for a long time because it can sometimes be harder, I guess, to get a different perspective on things. Mm. So if I think about my own personal experience of that, I've been in my current role and organisation for coming up to six years, which is actually a really long time for me. I normally spend about two and a half, three years in a role and then I'm ready for the next challenge and I want to move on. But actually, the thing that's motivated me and kept me energised in in this organisation is the amount of opportunity I've had to take on new things and to Mm. find that challenge within the organisation. So I haven't had to look outside of the organisation to find that new challenge to keep me energised and to keep me motivated. I have actually had the opportunities to take new things on into my portfolio as a leader, which has stretched me and given me personally development opportunities. I've been able to get involved in different pieces of work and programmes that perhaps I normally wouldn't have been able to in previous roles that I've been in. So for me, I think that's what's kept me motivated and energised, even though personally for me I've been in that place for for what feels like quite a long time given Mm -hmm. my kind of career history so I'm just interested to hear from you about you know what are your thoughts around how you re-energize and re-motivate yourself if you've been in the same position quite some time for me it's all about exploring and recognizing the root of the feelings that you have so Yes, there are going to be mundane jobs that we all have to do, which can be really uninspiring and demotivating. And I know certainly there are things that you have to do every year. Like, oh, my God, we've got to do this thing again. We've got to do this report or <sighs> that event or I've got to promote the same thing. And it just feels like your groundhog situation. Yeah. But that's life. You just have to deal with it. Then there's the bit around recognising your own body and yourself and I know my energy and my motivation wanes at different parts of the month, for example, linked to my cycle. And I've got absolutely no motivation to get dressed, far less thinking about motivating other people. So I know that and I plan for that. I reduce my FaceTime and my meetings with other people. And I know it's a phase and soon enough that energy is going to shift again. And then the kind of third element I always think about is this a motivational issue or is this an ability issue so is this something that if all the barriers were removed would I do something different and if I would still do it then I know it's not a motivational issue but if all the barriers were removed and I still wouldn't take the action I know that it's a motivational issue if that makes sense yeah I think that's a really interesting take on on looking at things actually motivation versus ability and I think the difference is the sum of all those feelings and how long that that carries on because you're always going to have ebbs and flows of how motivated that you feel across all those three reasons whether it's elements of the job you don't like whether it's your body and tiredness and fatigue or just the cyclical way of things work or that ability versus motivation. But if that feeling drags on or perhaps you're noticing that you're feeling super energised and motivated outside of work, but when you're in work, you just can't summon it up no matter what and nothing that you do is shifting it, then I think you've got big questions to ask yourself. For me, motivation is how much do you want something? 
How much do you want that job? How much do you want to finish that project? And so those are the types of questions that you need to start asking yourself if you're in that position of, wow, I've been here for a long time and I just can't get my stuff going. And personally, I got to that point in my corporate career where I was feeling burnt out. It felt never ending, same conversations and the same actions when I was at work. And then I had this really long commute that led to a really unhealthy lifestyle, which was impacting on my energy outside of work. So I had both areas combining and there wasn't enough of a bigger picture motivation for me to keep going. And it got to a point where I knew I was doing a disservice to other people, to my teams, and more importantly, to the people that we were serving in my organisation, that I knew the only option for me was to walk away. And I think that's a really high level of insight, isn't it, to have in terms of where you're at in that particular role. I think kudos to you for having that level of insight for doing that reflection piece, because I think You do come across people who probably in the backs of their mind do know that that is where they're at, but they will just keep plodding on and plodding on for all different motivations, ironically, for them to keep doing that. You know, just need to pay my mortgage. Don't think I'm going to be good enough to get another job somewhere else. Don't know what I want to do. But I think it's really powerful and really insightful for you to share your, your own personal experience and journey around that, which I know you've done previously as well, because I think it helps people to do that reflection piece for themselves and and really start to think about am I doing something that matters and motivates me and I think the selfless part of what you've described is the bit around saying but I was not only doing a disservice to myself I was doing a disservice to other people because actually people weren't getting the best version of me as a leader. And I go back to my bigger picture why the reason that I was working in and doing the job I did because I was absolutely passionate about improving people's lives in a really cheesy way But that was really important to me. And I felt that my team had a really important role to get the users' voices heard, to make sure that they were involved in stuff that was happening in the organisation and all that. So if I looked at it in, in a broad way, there should have been enough motivation in the bigger picture for me to keep going. But there just wasn't because I was ground down with all those little things that were adding up for me. And... It just didn't feel like I would ever get the balance right to to feel like I was achieving that bigger picture that I wanted. And so I knew I had to step away and find it a different way. doesn't mean my bigger picture's changed. I'm tackling it from a different direction. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting as well to, to think about it that way. And it's something we say probably nearly every episode about <laughs> to take the lead around knowing your why, what's your purpose, knowing that bigger picture is a really important part of being a leader. So I think you've hugely demonstrated that in your experience in your journey so far, Lee. So you mentioned the ebbs and flows of your work in life as a leader and the fact that you're going to have bits of your job that don't always set you on fire and they're not the things that you enjoy doing. I think also as a leader, you might find yourself in a position where you're leading your team or your organisation through potentially a really difficult time and Mm -hmm. potentially a difficult time that's not going to be over very quickly it might be some sort of crisis situation I guess the pandemic has been a really good example of people having to lead through a really challenging and kind of long-standing period of time and I guess in those times it can be really hard to find your joy and your motivation in what you do so have you got any tips for people around how they can approach being in that sort of space well my only caveat would be unless you're a person 
where challenge is super motivating, in which case you'd be thriving in that situation you've just described. <laughs> I don't think you can put motivation perhaps in a single box because it does mean something different to everyone. Absolutely. And right back to that, working out what motivates you and how you get motivated is clearly yeah. a really important part of that. And I always think about that when I think about communicators and my profession, that there's always bits of it that I don't find motivating but yet the, the bits that I don't like doing there's always someone in your team that loves doing them and for me it's the media stuff yeah. it's not it's not my bag I don't thrive on the challenge of uh, media inquiries and dealing with journalists I can do it but it's not what brings me joy it's not what motivates me I have no people who like that's their total thing yeah. that gives them such a buzz yeah. and does motivate them so you're absolutely right and to slightly go off topic but it links to to the previous points we were discussing from a leadership point of view knowing your strengths and the types of situations in which you lead is really beneficial and there are life cycles of organizations so there'll be times when there might be a new and emerging organization it might be a challenging organization it might be organization in growth you might need someone that's the rah-rah cheerleader you might need someone who comes in and is really focused on turnaround and as a leader you you need to match yourself to those types of organizations that are in the right life cycle for your leadership strengths and skills that you bring and I do think that that is linked to motivation so if someone who just doesn't thrive in a difficult and challenging environment and it's a pretty consistent firefighting type job then that's maybe the, the opportunity that you step away and you go to somewhere where you can be the cheerleader or vice versa I didn't actually answer your question though I'm sorry you I'm didn't wrong. being very political about that you're like a politician there just oh, skimming no. away from the question <laughs> I, I have got an answer come on then sock it to us what is the answer to the question Lee well I think if you're in that position where so I'm going to reword your question so yeah. rather than when you're in a challenging time because we've established that might mean you thrive but I think if you're in a position where you're doing something that is the opposite of what motivates you then that can be what's super hard. But if I flip back to a previous point, that for 80% of the time you're doing, I don't know, whatever your percentage that you think is a good percentage, you're not going to have a 100% job where you feel fully motivated. You're in, you know, you're off in Disney, if that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> when I've had really, say, tricky and sensitive issues to deal with for me, that perhaps felt hard to deal with. And I was thinking, oh, this is the last thing I want to handle at the moment. I can't lean into the things that I really, really like. What I've had to do is go back to remember my why, remind myself it's only for a time, and then find different ways to replenish my reserves. So it might be I had to make best use of my network, call in for people who perhaps could make me laugh and bring a bit of like relief when it's a really difficult day or people who can give me a bit of counsel and a, and a different viewpoint or someone that I can just offload and talk about what a twat so-and-so was. <laughs> when I was at home, it was about making sure that I'm doing nice things, eating nice things, switching off. So I had to try and find motivation in different ways, but absolutely link back to everything's only for a time. <laughs> so that was key to me. And I think the other motivator for me always is, as a, as a complete finisher, is remembering the end point. So what's the difference going to be or what's it going to mean if I finish X or 
what will it mean once we get through why? And those were questions that I would ask myself along the way to just chunk it up and not feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I love that. It's only for a time, I think, is a really good way to think about that when you are faced with those maybe, like you say, the things that maybe challenge your motivation more than than you'd perhaps like or expect. I have to say I was slightly distracted through the answer to your question there, Lee, because in the back of my head, I was thinking, I wonder how motivated Mickey Mouse is and whether he has periods of time where he just can't find the motivation to be totally Mickey. I'm also very pleased that you shared some of what motivates you and how you've managed to find a way through those you mean I'm ple- you're pleased I actually answered the question <laughs> <laughs> so I think it leads us on to that point in the episode which we do every every episode just around sharing some quick how-tos which are a bit of a summary of some of our top tips and things that we've talked about so Lee a top tip and a how-to or more than one if you want around how you can think about and stay motivated as a leader Going back to your bigger picture why, so making sure you're always doing that checking and reflection is is a really important one. And I think that piece for me about is it a motivational or an ability issue that, that you're struggling with and trying to get to the root cause? Absolutely. And I think both of those will be helpful in the bit for me, which is around do you actually really understand what it is that motivates you mm. and just seeking that clarity I guess on what brings you motivation and what can help to energize you I think is is really important and I would add in a top tip having listened to what you've said Lee about just considering the impact on others and just recognizing that what motivates you might not always be what motivates everybody else and we are obviously talking about this as a leader so you do have to recognize that impact and think about how you strike that balance for other people so yeah. So yeah, you're going to be going off and do your love language test. My now, love language test. Well, I don't know. I'm intrigued to know what it is, but I'm also partly fearful in case my love language is something that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next episode. Will I or will I not still be engaged? That's the question. <laughs> if I'm not, you'll know I've done my love language test and it went badly. <laughs> I'm not sure how motivated I feel to take the test. I feel just slightly scared about it, Lee. But yeah, I'm interested to hear from others if they know what their love language is. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to this episode and look forward to chatting again on the next one. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you're the first to receive new episodes when they drop every Thursday. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you would rate it or leave a review. And let us know your thoughts and own experiences. Get in touch with either of us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram. Or use the hashtag #HowToTakeTheLead. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.